Everybody, this is the Rubin Report direct message. I'm Dave Rubin, in case you don't know me. I assume you know me because you're probably watching this on YouTube or on The Blaze, and we've been doing stuff in both those places for quite some time. Uh, this is gonna be my new semi-daily, kinda daily, almost fully daily, three-day-a-week news show. Uh, we're gonna be doing this every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific, which is 12, 1, 2 p.m. Eastern, uh, where we'll be streaming on YouTube and on The Blaze TV, uh, where I'm gonna be talking about the news in hopefully a bit of a different way. As many of you know, I just came back from a month off the grid. I had no news, no current events, no nothing related to all of the political madness that we're all dealing with all the time. And I do this every August. This is the fourth August that I've done it. And I've done it because I find that a little time away helps not only refresh me, but give me a little perspective on all of the stuff that we're constantly fighting about, right? That everybody, everybody is waking up and screaming about and arguing about, and it's leaking into every part of society, whether it's the sports world or the video game world or your knitting club or whatever else you do maybe for fun and to escape it, it seems that politics and the endless fight has leaked into absolutely everything. And what I wanted to try to do and why I was willing to partner with The Blaze on doing uh, a more of a daily type show was that I wanna give people an opportunity to know about the issues of the day, but not become absolutely obsessed with the little minutia of every story and the endless battle that is keeping us all kind of crazy. So if anything, I want this show, uh, The Direct Message, to be an antidote to some of that stuff. And I'll be very frank and honest and open about how we're gonna be doing this show. Uh, this is gonna be me and my producer, Michael. We're gonna wake up in the morning, we're gonna send each other a couple texts, couple emails, what's going on in the world? What are the two or three things that I think are worth discussing with you guys? And I say discussing with you because although I'm the one talking into the camera here, uh, I do want this to be a discussion and sometimes we'll do some Q&A stuff and you guys can submit questions at rubinreport.com and sometimes we'll, we'll Skype in some guests, not for interviews that are gonna be uh, the same way we do them with the Rubin Report, that still is gonna exist as is. We're gonna be doing as many shows as we've ever done uh, for the traditional Rubin Report sit down, but I might do smaller interviews or just little quicker hit type things to help frame a story, help uh, find somebody that can uh, tell me about a story in a new way or has a fresh perspective or is on the ground in a specific place or something like that. Uh, but I thought the best way that I could kick off this new series, this new show, uh, would be to talk about some of the things that I missed in August. So uh, I'm sure many of you saw it, but just yesterday I got back on the grid on September 1st after 31 days away. It was just heavenly. I can't possibly recommend anything more. Um, and Michael Knowles over at the Daily Wire uh, brought me back onto the grid. Uh, twice before I've had Ben Shapiro bring me back on and then last year Glenn Beck brought me on. Knowles brought me on this year and basically he sat down and over the course of two hours enlightened me 
on everything that I missed. And you know, the interesting thing about this year, of course, is that, uh, I don't know if you know this, but we're in an election year. Uh, but of course, there was, the, uh, there was the RNC convention, there was the DNC convention, uh, Biden named Kamala Harris uh, his VP, which I did not know about until yesterday. Uh, but suffice to say, there was a lot of political stuff on top of the uh, pandemic that you may have heard about and the race riots and the protests and the burning down the burning down of cities and things of that nature. So there, there was a lot, and part of me was like, man, can I, can I even do this? Can I even go off the grid this year? There's so much happening, it's so important, it's, it's so vital, it feels like the very fabric of our nation is being torn apart. It feels like we're like debating whether America or Western civilization or freedom uh, are these good things or not. I mean, these are crazy debates we seem to be having. Um, and I was like, I don't know if I can really go off the grid, but that, if anything, was more of the reason to do it. So Knowles yesterday uh, caught me up to speed on everything. We actually couldn't get to all of the crazy stories that he wanted to get to, uh, but my team had been tracking everything throughout the month, and I have caught up on absolutely everything I missed, everything from Kamala Harris as VP to this WAP song, by Cardi B, and I'm not gonna repeat any of that right now, but if you wanna hear me slightly rapping or reading it basically for the first time, this WAP song, you can find that in the video I did with Knowles yesterday, which is uh, probably somewhere right down below this video. Um, so what I thought I would do for today is I'm just gonna take the five stories that I think are the most important things over the course of the month, and as I said, we'll be doing this Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, and each morning I'll just be picking two or three stories. I'll give you my perspective. I'm not gonna try to manipulate you or lie to you. I'm gonna try to give you as honest and fresh and decent a take as possible without making you angry. I'm gonna try to do it in a way that hopefully will be somewhat shareable. So if you're arguing with a friend, uh, you're able to just send them this video, uh, and then you can say, hey, here's a guy that seems to me to be you know, halfway decent, maybe a bit of a centrist, um, and you know, maybe take a look at something that maybe isn't the type of thing that you would normally look at. So for today, I'm just gonna recap the five things that I missed, and then really starting tomorrow, we're just gonna be diving into whatever the big issues of the day are. And by the way, they won't always purely be political. You know, I talk about this all the time, but one of the big problems we have is that everything is becoming political. So you watch an NBA game and then it's a Black Lives Matter protest, and that, that is a problem because we need some spaces where things aren't political. So there might be stories that are more culturally relevant than, say, purely political. Um, there might be a, a pure store, uh, sports story that is separate from politics altogether. That would be really nice, actually but that might have some, some bigger meaning to it that might be worth talking about. And we'll also try to find some funny stuff and some silly stuff and throw in some memes and some of the, some of the stuff that's going viral and all that stuff. So okay, we're gonna do the, the, the top five things that Dave Rubin missed during his August off the grid. So I, I already referenced the first one. The, the big one, I suppose, uh, in the political world at least, is that Joe Biden announced that Kamala Harris uh, is going to be his vice presidential candidate. This is a couple weeks ago already, but again, I did not know it until, until yesterday. Now, I will be uh, quite frank, I did suspect it because you may remember that at the end of July, it leaked 
in Politico that Biden was choosing Harris, and they already even had a quote from Biden about Harris. And then when it leaked, then they sort of backtracked, the implication being, oh, you know, we have these sort of statements ready to go in case it's any other person, and this one just happened to leak. So I sort of suspected it was Kamala Harris. And let's not forget, of course, that for a year, Biden has been saying that his choice would absolutely be a female. So, you know, this is the guy that's supposed to fight identity politics on the left, but he was choosing, you know, he was eliminating half of the population in effect or half of the viable candidates uh, just by their gender. Uh, and then it became obvious, and he had sort of been hinting at it over the last couple of weeks, that not only would the nominee be female, but it would be a person of color. So that then whittled it down further. So you're not gonna get uh, Elizabeth Warren, who unfortunately for her doesn't count as Native American. Um, and then that, that really left probably an African-American woman. Uh, so between the political article and the contextual clues, and the fact that I was at the supermarket about two weeks ago and I was getting a watermelon and there was a woman screaming about Kamala Harris, I did have a sense that it was gonna be Kamala Harris. So, uh, there's a couple interesting things about the Kamala choice here. Now, first off, it doesn't quite feed the crazed, lefty, purely progressive, Marxist, whatever you want to call it, base, because they didn't like her. They think of her as more of like a corporatist Hillary Clinton type, meaning that if you wanted to go that route and just feed the base, then you would have gone with an Elizabeth Warren or you would have picked a freaking AOC or Ilhan Omar or Rashida Tlaib. I mean, some one of these really just terrible people uh, who, are, who are promulgating some of the worst ideas in society now. But Biden chose not to do that, or I, I shouldn't say Biden, the, the DNC or whoever's in charge there chose not to do that. They went a little more mainstream, let's say. Now, what's interesting about this is Kamala Harris, a lot of people thought she might be the nominee, but then once the debate started, she never got any traction. She had a good first debate, but basically never showed anything in the polls and then was out way quicker than anyone thought. So she has no real support, right? The far lefties that are the base of the party, they don't like her. And then when the party went out to vote in their own primaries, it's not like she ever did well. She never did well. So it's a, it's a strange pick in that regard, uh, but it did fill the buckets that he was going for, which were woman and African-American. And that's just a sad reality. Look. The, the thing with Kamala is that I believe her to be a, a dangerous politician. What, what a dangerous politician is, is someone who wants to use power, right? Who gets into office and then says, it doesn't matter what the system allows for, what checks and balances are, why we have three branches of government, but I want to use my office for power, purely for power and bring as much power to my office as possible. Whether that would be a Republican or a Democrat or anything else, that's what I would always be worried about. Now, Kamala Harris, to me, is one of those types of people. There is a moment that I've brought up several times and I've tweeted about it a couple times uh, during the debates when she was still in it, where a question was asked to Joe Biden about whether he would do an executive action on guns. Now, an executive action means that instead of going through the legislative branch, instead of going through Congress and the Senate to write a law, which the president just signs, an executive action is sort of a, a loophole that they have to get around this. They're really not supposed to use it, but all presidents do. But you can't use an executive action to step on a God-given right, meaning a right that's enshrined in the Constitution, in this case, the Bill of Rights, our Second Amendment is about the right to bear arms. And in effect, uh, what 
Biden said when asked this question, would you use an executive action to limit gun purchases? It was something around guns, right? He said, well, it would have to be constitutional. And it, there was pretty much silence from the crowd. And, and that really does tell you a bit about the base there, because you'd think that, would, that, that was the right answer. It's the true answer. You can't do things that are unconstitutional. Kamala Harris then laughed in his face and sort of cackled. And she goes, oh, Joe, can't we just say, yes, we can? <laughs> and this is seriously dangerous. The thinking behind that, meaning that once I have the power or the perceived power to do something, or just because I've been voted in president, the idea is that I can use that power to limit another right that is enshrined in the Bill of Rights, in the Constitution. This is, a, this is a huge problem, and I know that's just one little snippet, although there's many other snippets of her uh, desire to use power, the amount of people that she put in jail for smoking marijuana in California and a bunch of other stuff. But that one little snippet, I think, is, uh, is really indicative of what the problem is with the Democrats right now, because Biden mentioned the Constitution, but the base doesn't really care about the Constitution, and then he chose a vice president who clearly doesn't care about it. So on top of the fact that I, I don't think that they have much really uh, uh, lined up together in terms of ideas or anything else, it's hard to tell what any of the Democrats think at this point. That's just an unfortunate reality. But I'm really, really worried about that because I've been saying this for months, but if you are a Democrat, and you're gonna vote for Joe Biden, you just gotta know with the cognitive stuff, which is just a sad reality, and, and by the way, the scandal is not that he's having cognitive problems. Everyone knows that he is. The scandal is that they're hiding it, and the dam will break one day, and they're all gonna turn on each other. Oh, he told me I couldn't say it, he told me I couldn't say it, but we all know it's there, right? So the scandal is the non-scandal. Um, but you have to know that if you're a Democrat and you're voting, for Joe Biden, in effect, you're voting for Kamala Harris or you're voting for the party apparatus that put her there. So I, I think it's a pretty dangerous one. Uh, so that was one story that happened. Uh, number two, uh, and I'll do these both as one story, I'll be a little, a little briefer. Oh, I should tell you, by the way, we're gonna try to do most of these uh, direct messages in 24 minutes. I don't need to give you six hours of babbling on about everything. We're gonna try to do them in 24 minutes and, and see where the chips fall. Can I, can I make some sense of the world in 24 minutes instead of 20 minutes? People used to do things in 20 minutes, 2020. Was 2020 20 minutes? Give us 60 minutes, we'll say, that was something else. All right, either way, uh, I'm gonna try to do them in 24 minutes. So the other, the other two sort of political things, of course, that happened were the convention. So there was the RNC convention and the DNC convention. Uh, I caught up in, in uh, this morning and last night watching a bunch of clips from them and I, I did a bunch of reading on both. And in essence, everything that, that I've talked about on this show about the direction that the world seems to be going in uh, was really on display. Um, at both of these conventions. Either you believe in identity politics, you believe that we should be judged on our immutable characteristics and our gender and our sexuality, and that that really is the, the thing that is most important. And if it is most important, then we then must disassemble the entire system here in America that is so inherently evil and awful, even though everyone still wants to come here and nobody wants to leave and capitalism has brought more wealth and equality to more people and, and how truly great our system is. And by the way, if you're, if you're thinking, if you're watching this and you're thinking it ain't great, well, I gotta tell you, uh, think about your grandparents and I guarantee you, you had it, 
you have it a lot better than they did, or your great-grandparents, or your ancestors before them. We've, we've done something really right in America, and that seems to be on trial right now, and that, that is a big problem. But in essence, we had a, a democratic convention where they, in a weird way, have to run against everything America was and is, right? So they have to run against America was because they believe that the whole system is racist and it was founded on this bad set of ideas, and they have to run on what it is because now Trump is involved, so that's the is. We have the was and the is. And then you had the Republican convention, which actually was pretty freaking pro-America and was pro-capitalism and was pro-freedom. And, and had some diversity of thought. I don't even care about the, the other diversity stuff. Um, and that really is the choice that we're all left with making. And for those of you, uh, you know, obviously I have a lot of uh, conservatives now that watch this show and a lot of libertarians that watch this show, but I know that I have a lot of disaffected liberals that are on a similar journey that I've been on for these last couple of years. And we, we aren't all at the same places in this, but I think for us, which I think is a huge swath of people, in America, we're gonna to have to decide which way is gonna forge a future that's gonna be more in line with the things that we believe. And I think it's just becoming obvious that that is a, a center-right future. So we had, the, we had the conventions and now we have, we have two months, two months to figure out uh, what will potentially be the biggest presidential race ever. They say it every four years, but this one really feels like it, right? Like this one, does this feel more important or less important than like Obama versus Romney? right? Or McCain versus Obama, or like those it sort of felt like, oh, okay, you guys view the world a little bit differently, but like we kind of get it. America's good. We'll see what happens. Now it's like, are we going to be capitalist or socialist? Are we going to just let there be no rule of law or some rule of law? Like the big stuff is up for debate right now, and it's going to be a wild two months. And I'll talk about this, I'm sure, many times over the next couple of months, but whether, whether both sides or either side will even respect the, the decision the outcome of the election is gonna start becoming a huge thing in mail-in voting and the rest of it. Um, of course, I have to talk a little bit about the protests and the violence and you know, what's been happening in Portland and Seattle and has shifted over uh, to, to Milwaukee and a whole bunch of other uh, cities and states. I mean, look, in essence, um, we can have an honest conversation about racism. We can have an honest conversation about policing. We can look at numbers. We can see the realities or we can just burn everything down and we can burn down statues and cities. And just in the last couple days, the mayor of Portland, Ted Wheeler, who kept saying that the peaceful protesters are peaceful and it's peaceful, peaceful, peaceful. Well, you know what they did just, I believe it was yesterday, they, uh, they went to his house and started attacking his house. Now he's probably leaving his house. He's not gonna live there anymore. Uh, so suddenly not so peaceful. Uh, that's also similar to the mayor of Seattle who kept saying the whole thing was peaceful. Chop, it's peaceful, even though an insurgent group decided that there's a, you know, a certain square block area of her own city that no one else can go into. Uh, but then they showed up at her house, suddenly not so peaceful anymore. Uh, this is what playing with fire looks like. If you kind of tell Antifa and Black Lives Matter activists and these Marxists, if you keep telling them, oh, you can kind of do your thing and just you know, don't bring it over to my backyard, you're tacitly endorsing them to bring it to your, uh, to your backyard. And that's what we got to watch out for. So the, the protests have continued. And again, I think we're at a place now where it's sort of like, are you for law and order or not? Even if people tearing down statues have good intentions, and I'm not so sure of that, and I, I would prefer that these statues not be taken down, and I'd put up counter 
monuments and things like that, or placards, whatever it might be, uh, even if you think they have good intentions, without law and order, we have nothing. We, we absolutely have nothing. So we've got to figure out a way to get past some of this stuff and have some honest conversations. Hey, that's why I'm doing this show, so there you go. Uh, number four, number four, the pandemic fell all the way down to number four. Um, look, it's a little hard to tell what the hell's going on with this thing at this point. There's a study just in the last couple of days that has been released that has said that only 6% of the people who have been, been declared dead because of coronavirus exclusively died of coronavirus, that they actually had comorbidity, meaning they had other things that they were sick with and would have died within a limited amount of time. I mean, every day we just find out something else. And I think the bigger issue than the virus, I mean, if you think about, think about it this way, if, if, Everything that's going on right now is affecting you, meaning it's affecting your job, it's affecting your family, everyone's home now, you're not at your business, you're not at your place of work, et cetera, et cetera. Is it the virus itself that's affecting you, not to diminish the realities of the virus, or is it the government reaction to it, which is not letting people go to work, not letting people go to restaurants and things of that nature? Now, look, I'm here in LA, we're, we're highly, highly regulated. I got yelled at as I was walking into the drugstore. I was putting my mask on right at the door because it was really hot out and I didn't want to walk around with a hot mask on my face. And some guy started yelling at me that I was about to walk into the store without a mask, even though I literally had it in my hand and I was about to put it on. Um, we have to decide whether the lockdown and all of the measures being taken are right or not. But the, but the issue is, we seem unable to have an honest conversation about that, just like we can't have an honest conversation about race. At least we're just not doing it that well. And the problem is that the people that are governing us, say Andrew Cuomo, who's been seen walking his dog outside without a mask on, or Nancy Pelosi up in San Francisco, who just in the last few days was found at her beauty salon getting her hair cut, which is illegal, even by her own, <laughs> by her own edict in effect, but she said she didn't even know what the law was and didn't even realize and they closed the place down for her and all that. And we're pretty much at that Marie Antoinette, let them eat cake thing, you know? Like we're at that moment where it's like the, the elite are saying we're gonna live one way and we're also gonna wreck the entire system so you will have to become more dependent on us. So we'll have to give you more handouts so that you'll just be okay. That is, that is antithetical to how this entire system is supposed to work. These people work for us. They are, not our, they are not our masters, okay? If anything, we're their masters. I would prefer we all just be equal. Um, but that's the honest conversation that we're gonna have to start having, is there is going to be some risk in opening up more, absolutely. I am not sitting here telling you that coronavirus is a hoax or anything of, the na of that nature. What I am saying is we have to have honest conversations, especially in places where you look, as I said, I'm here in LA, everyone out is, is fairly young. When you go outside, you see young people that are healthy and the sun is shining and it's 90 degrees and you've got all of these young people, not only not at restaurants because you can't go to restaurants, but covering up in other places and maybe we're never gonna get to herd mentality, or herd mentality, we don't wanna be in herd mentality, we're probably there, uh, but we're never gonna get to herd immunity um, because we won't let enough people get sick and then build some antibodies and the rest of it. So we, we've got serious work to do. And in the final minute here, somehow peace in the Middle East showed up, guys. Uh, Israel signed a historic peace deal with the United Arab Emirates, and now just over the last day or so, we're hearing that there could be four or five more Arab countries that are gonna sign deals 
uh, with, with Israel. There's an incredible video of Netanyahu, who is the Prime Minister of Israel, having a phone call in Hebrew with an official at the United Arab Emirates. I mean, it's, it's staggering stuff. The media is kind of hiding it because it has something to do with orange man, so it must be bad, but I thought peace was good. I thought peace is what we were going for. And, uh, and it's incredibly uh, exciting, actually, and, and really, really good and seriously underreported. So these are just some of the things that are going to frame a lot of what we're going to be talking about in the next year. I'm super psyched to be working with The Blaze on this stuff, and you're going to be part of the show. As I said, we'll do Q&As, we'll do some Skypes, we'll talk, to, we'll talk to experts, and we'll talk to regular people, and I'll give you my analysis on what's going on on the day. And my hope is that by the end of it, you don't have a headache, but you feel a little more enlightened and a little more like everything's going to be okay, because I really believe that it will be. So that is it. That is Ruben Report, Direct Message, Episode 1. We're back tomorrow at 11 a.m. Pacific.